0: So uh, during the first week of the series, Pastor Chase talked about the fact that we need some common language to understand the season that we're in and that it's winter, uh, literally, (laughs) uh, winter outside. And he also mentioned that um, there are things that happen during the winter um, that we should be paying attention to. So one of those, it's a time of solidification, So those things that we learn during the summer, this is when we solidify that and um, make sure that we really understand what it is that was happening or being shown to us when the weather was nicer and we may be a little more relaxed and carefree and all of that. It's also a time of maturation and that... This is when we also are maturing in the things that we are learning. It's also a time of harshness. I don't know if anybody had to go outside this week in those negative wind chills, uh, but that is harsh. (laughs) Uh, If you are not moisturizing, let me tell you, (laughs) you better be getting that moisturizer out, okay? Um, It's also a time of transition and slowing down. That's what happens in the winter is slowing down. Um, In the United States, we like fast. We don't want to wait for stuff. This is a pain because you have to slow down on the roads because they're icy, snowy, all of that. Uh, I've seen some of y'all out there on the roads, and you are showing I don't really want to slow down. Uh, And I just pray for you as you pass me Uh, that you do not end up in the ditch, okay? (laughs) That you get where you're going safely and don't take anyone else out with you, all right? So um, today we're going to learn how to winter well. That was one of the phrases that Pastor Chase said in in week one, and that really stuck with me, is how do we winter well so that when it's time to transition to spring... Or to resurrection, we're ready. So I'm going to pray and then we'll dive in. Father, thank you for what you've already done this morning. Thank you for making yourself known, your presence felt. And so this morning, all I ask is that you would speak through me the words that you want spoken in this house and that our hearts are open to receive what it is that you have for each one of us individually as we all hear the same message. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right, so the title of my message is, I'm dead. Now, if you are familiar with that phrase, how many of you have heard the phrase, I'm dead? Yes, you can go ahead to the next slide, uh, Rachel. So, usually, if you're not familiar with it, it's usually when someone has sent you a video or a meme that is extremely funny and absolutely outrageous. It can be something that is shocking or surprising or absurd, okay? So if you've heard the phrase, I'm dead, that's usually uh, what people are talking about. However, for today's context, when you hear that, we're going to talk about ourselves and dying to self. I'm laying myself down. I'm dead so that I can be resurrected to new life. Okay. So that is that's where we're headed and if you're wondering about that I'm going to give you some bible so I, you know I'm not just out here with some cute fun sermon title like this is going to be some meat so uh If you have been fasting from the word, (laughs) uh, this might feel like it's a bit much for you, but uh, hopefully y'all been eating, all right? Uh, Because that's what we about over here, okay? All right. So open up your Bibles to Galatians chapter 2. Galatians chapter 2, we're going to start around verse 19, but I want to give you some background before uh, we read the text. So uh, ahead of this, Paul is giving what we would call his testimony about how he became a Christ follower. And so in that, he's talking about the fact that um, I was somebody who was 10 toes down in following the law, okay? I was Pharisee of Pharisees I had it on lock I was doing all the things and yet I was not able to just keep the law fully and meet its requirements so that brings us to verse 19 for when I tried to keep the law it condemned me, which basically means it showed i i wasn't at the standard which is god 's standard for anyone who might be wondering. Okay, we all have our own standards of things. God has his standard, and that's the measuring stick we should be using when it comes to looking at ourselves, okay? So I died to the law. I stopped trying to meet all its requirements so that I might live for God. My old self has been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. So I live in this earthly body by trusting in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. After that, Paul goes into the fact that if the law could do what it was supposed to, which was we were able to meet all of the requirements and hit God's standard, there'd been no reason for Jesus to come. Because we'd been able to do it like, okay, we got the Ten Commandments. Some of us can't even do that part, okay? Uh, you know, when I say some of us, me, can't, can't do it, okay? So, Paul's saying that there's no way for us to ever meet the ladder of the law. Grace is the thing that has saved us. But when we have Christ in our lives, because the law requires perfection at all times. But when we have Christ in our lives, we've died to ourselves, and Christ is the one who lives in us. That's the life part that we have as Christ followers. So we're going to look at another passage of Scripture uh, in Matthew chapter 16. But before we get to that, I want to give you, again, some setup to the passages we're going to read. So um, in this piece, Jesus has told the disciples that a time is coming when he's going to go to Jerusalem and he will be crucified by the religious leaders. Now, similar to today's news, some folks did not take that well. Okay? Um As a matter of fact, Peter pulls Jesus aside. is like, bruh, you are killing the vibe over here. Because just previous to Jesus talking about that, he had been asking the disciples, who do men say that I am? So they're giving their various answers about that. And then he says, but who do you say that I am? And Peter's reply is, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus's response is... You are correct in saying that, and that is not something that man has given you that was given to you by the Holy Spirit, okay? So I'm sure Peter was thinking, yes, this is fantastic. I had the correct answer. I'm Jesus' favorite. All of y'all can get back uh, because I am the deal. Well, here's the thing. Peter had an expectation about what it meant to be a follower of Jesus. Peter had an expectation about what it meant for Jesus to be the Messiah who was coming to save his people. We all have expectations about things. What Jesus had to point out to Peter is, Your expectations and your viewpoint are from a human perspective. And they are not God's perspective. That spot where he says, get behind me, Satan, that's where that is, is right in there. And Jesus says, you are looking at this from a human viewpoint. You are not looking at this from God's viewpoint. I don't know how many times I've read that scripture, and I do not remember that until I was preparing for this message right here. And I was like, oh. Uh, whoops. Because how often do we go into situations where our first response when we hear something that we don't really like is our human nature, but we don't get control of it, and so we're rolling with our behavior and our responses to what it is out of the human side and not out of like, wait, let me pause a second. Because maybe God has something different in mind before I just go off, all right? Because scripture says, God's ways, are they like ours? No. Are his thoughts like our thoughts? No. Correct. All right, so let's jump into Matthew chapter 16, starting at verse 24. Jesus said to his disciples, if any of you wants to be my follower, you must give up your own way. Take up your cross and follow me. If you try to hang on to your life, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake, you will save it. And what do you benefit if you gain the whole world but lose your soul? Is anything worth more than your soul? We've experienced some... Not necessarily exciting news. Like, it's that tension of, hey, yay, happy for you, and boo, sad for us. We've had that today. Uh, it means changes on the way. We had expectations that didn't include folks necessarily leaving those positions. Because it's easy to say it like when they come on board to be like, well, we know, you know, this could be for your season, etc., etc." et cetera. But have you ever noticed that as the season continues on, we just assume the season doesn't isn't going to end? That it's just this is how it's going to be. This is how it's going to stay. There is not going to be a difference. And so then we feel blindsided when God says there's a shift that needs to happen. We're like, ah, okay, this is not, I I, I don't agree to that. (laughs) I don't accept that as what is happening. God's like, well, you can do that. That's that's a choice, not your best one. And as Lisa said, you know, he has a way of making it very miserable and uncomfortable when you are not going to go along with what he is doing but he will allow us to continue on that trail as well. Um, I don't recommend it. (laughs) Now for me, when I hear things that I am not expecting and I'm not super crazy about, one of a couple things happens. First of all, I go to worst case scenarios. Anybody else a worst case scenario person? Mm -hmm. Worst case scenarios. Then I go into solution mode of like, okay, so what am I gonna do? okay, if I do this over here, then maybe this won't have to happen, or, all right, so maybe oh, we we'll move this over here, and then we can have, I got plans A through Z all figured out. I have plans A through Z all figured out, okay? Human perspective, human viewpoint. And God's like, I don't need none of that. <laughs> As a matter of fact, I didn't even ask your opinion. So. There is that piece right there. This is how I know that generally we don't like change. We like to say at times, oh, I love change. Okay, maybe moving your furniture around at your house. But like actual change that matters, we don't like it. It wasn't our idea nine times out of ten. So we, we can play the, oh, I'm, I'm good with change. Mm-mm, no, no, no. This is how I don't know. This is how I don't. we don't really like it. Because remember last, last time, first week, Pastor Chase talked about trying to hold on to the old stuff, while the new stuff, trying to mix it. Let me tell you about when I tried to do that. This month, as a matter of fact, probably around today, Uh, 13 years ago, I was on my way home from a junior league meeting. I lived in Lansing at the time, and as I was driving home, let me give you a little more context, I was dating a guy who lived here in Grand Rapids, but I lived in Lansing, I was trying to do the keep all my Lansing friends, all my Lansing connections, blah, blah, blah. But also, like, date this guy that lived here and, you know, figure out what was I going to do. I was in between jobs at the time, so I was trying to figure out where was I going to get a different job, et cetera, et cetera. Well, I'm sitting at the traffic light. I'm way home from the junior league meeting, and God says to me, Plain as day, you can either hold on to the old stuff, which is your life in Lansing, or you can embrace the new thing that I'm doing in Grand Rapids. Now, I am somebody who usually, let me calculate the pros and the cons and do all the things and whatever. And I decided in that moment, oh, I'm doing the new thing which I thought, okay, clearly that was God because I am not that, I know me well enough to know that's not, I don't immediately like, oh, well then I'm doing this. Two weeks later, I was here in West Michigan. But January 31, I was here in West Michigan. So 13 years ago, all that. Say that to say, when you try to mix He is going to basically give you an ultimatum. You have to choose one or the other. You cannot do both things. Because when you're trying to hold on to the old, you are basically saying, I want my way, and that is it. Final decision. And God, you can figure out uh, what you want to do with what I'm doing. Uh, Yeah. So... What I want us to think about is this. The reason we don't like change is for one of two reasons, typically. One, I want my own way. Or, number two, I don't want to do the work that it's going to be required to do the change. And it will take work. Now, when Jesus says, following him, you've got to take up your cross, That's the dying to self-peace. There's no upside for Jesus to say, when you become a follower of me, life is going to be fantastic. Nothing is ever going to go wrong. You're always going to have your way. That's an enemy move. The enemy always wants you to be thinking that God is lying to you. The enemy wants you to think that God is lying to you and that what you want in your way is better than what God could possibly want to do when we are in the midst of change or transition. So, uh, as I said, this is meat today. So if you're not regularly in the word, I want to encourage you. To maybe start being in the word regularly because it's going to help you when we going when we go through transition. So I talked about the work necessary to do change. I see a therapist on the regular. My therapist may even be watching. Hey. <laughs> um. So. My going to therapy is to help me heal in some areas that need work, that I don't have the right tools for. Because the tools I've been using (laughs) have not been working well. (laughs) But you know how we these are the tools I have, I'm going to use them, and we just keep it moving. Okay. well, if you're in therapy, you're either going to not use the tools, which then you're wasting your money. or you're going to be like, okay, I'm going to use the tools. Um, but it's also my responsibility when she gives me the tools to remember to use them. Uh, there's been some days where I left my tool belt at home and didn't have tools when something happened because I thought these were as needed. And <laughs> turned out that um, as needed, you never know when that is. So you always have to be prepared to have your tools with you. Um, so... I want you to think about in your own family or household, like, about the tools you've been using when certain things take place. You know, we just had the holidays, so there may have been some moments of um, tool usage (laughs) that was necessary. Uh, Maybe it's moments where things are irritating, or someone is irritating you, or if you're a kid, somebody got a bigger piece of dessert than I did, these were not cut even, and she got a bigger piece than me, that was always the thing in my family, is um, who got the bigger piece of dessert. So then when we get in our feelings, what happens is we decide I'm gonna go out to the garage, I'm gonna get a tool to fix what's happening, And we come back with a hammer and use that on something that just needed a screwdriver. Which then means we're doing damage to ourselves and others because we did not have the right tools and we could be very well aware of what the right tool is but because we were in our feelings, we were in our humanness, we did not say let me give myself, let me pause, need a moment, take a snickers, whatever, so like give myself a chance to like okay, let me let me refocus before i respond inappropriately. Okay? Because i'm using the wrong tools. All right? So This is what I'm talking about with the change work because we all have tools we're using that may not be the best tools when it comes to how we respond in times of transition and change. So if we're going to winter well, we have to practice some things that we were taught in the summer as Pastor Chase talked about in week one. Our spiritual, spiritual growth doesn't just happen. Like we become Christ followers and poof. We are suddenly, we got to unlock. We're always saying the right things, doing the right things consistently. That is not how it works. This is, we're in the progress group. Now, we hear of a few people because those make amazing testimonies of, I used to have this kind of lifestyle, and as soon as I met Jesus, bam! I was, everything was great and golden. Okay, most of us are not in that group. Mm -mm. We are not in that group. We are in the group where it is two steps forward, one step back. Maybe one step forward, five steps back. Okay? But There is work that has to be done. Um, We've been consistently since birth doing our way. You don't have to teach a child how to be selfish. Like, there's never a time when a parent's going to say, Now, I need you to make sure that your stuff, only you play with it. You don't let anybody else play with it. You don't let anybody else touch it. No, you do not have to go to the preschool room downstairs. If you think I'm lying, go down there and see if they're not fighting over some toys, okay? We're teaching children how to be kind, how to share, think of other people, because those are things we have to learn. Because in our nature, it's about ourselves. To us there is an I and team. I am the team. <laughs> As Christ followers, we've been given some tools to use to help us in times of transition in the relationships that we have with other people. The Holy Spirit has given us fruit. Okay? He's given us love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, and self-control. He's also given us the full armor of God, which is the belt of truth, the breastplate of righteousness, shoes of peace, which is the good news, the shield of faith, the helmet of salvation, and the sword of the spirit, which is the word. This is the equipment we've been given along with access to the throne of God through prayer. And the equipment doesn't do us any good if we only pull it out when we think we might need it. Because there's no, I might need it. Like if you think you might need it, let me just, let me just, you will. You do, okay? Because if anybody has, If you've ever thought, um, well, who's the ratchet person in the room and (laughs) you think it's not you? Well, who's the pettiest person in the room and you think it's not you? We all need our tools, okay? On a regular basis, some of us In the words of the great Miley Cyrus, have come into things like a wrecking ball. (laughs) And have damaged relationships. We've damaged, that's the basic thing. We've damaged relationships. Because we took the wrong tool to a situation that was happening. We were in our humanness. So, I wanna give you some encouragement in your own change work, because all of us have it, so it's not like you have it to do and I don't. I have it to do, you have it to do, we all have it to do. And if we're not all working on it and recognizing that we all have it to do, something will be said or done that we won't like and our humanness will come out Instead of like, okay, wait a minute, I may be in my feelings, and I, I can acknowledge that, but let me pause and see what, what does God want me to do in response to this? All right, so 1 Corinthians chapter 9, starting at verse 24. Paul says, don't you realize that in a race, everyone runs, but only one person gets the prize? So run to win. All athletes are disciplined in their training. So before I go on, I just want to stop right there. Some of us may be like, I'm not running. (laughs) I don't run. That's not what I do. That's okay. Spiritually, we're running. Okay? We may not feel like athletes, however, here's what I want you to understand. We all have training to do. Remember how I said we, we gotta work on it, we have gotta use our tools? It's, that's the training. We're in the pro- process group, that's the training. Athletes, the ones that we think about that are top of their game, they didn't get there because they thought sometimes I'm gonna do a practice. They didn't get there because sometimes they thought, well, I guess maybe I should uh, shoot some hoops, or sometimes I should have a leg day, or sometimes I should run a few miles. No, they knew that for them to be top of their game, they had to be consistent every single day doing what it is to perfect what they were trying to accomplish, To be able to run, to win the prize spiritually, every day you and I need to be using our tools. And when we use the wrong tool, going to the Father and saying, yeah, I messed that up. Keeping short accounts, which means if you need to apologize to somebody, don't wait until they're saying something to you if you already know you botched it. We got to be pushing ourselves. Some of us like the easy. We want to walk it. Uh, we think this is the walking track spiritually. This this is it's not. We're running a race to win. If you're walking, if you're the slowest person in a herd. You're out. You are prey and all done. Everybody else is running and you thought, you know what, I'll catch up. Uh, No. mm -mm. No, you'll be taken out because the enemy will get you. You got to run. And sometimes we have to run fast. Sometimes we can have a nice jog pace Other times, we gotta put the speed on, okay? All right, moving on, all athletes are disciplined, read consistent in their training. They do it to win a prize that will fade away, but we do it for an eternal prize, so I run with purpose in every step. I am not just shadow boxing, I discipline my body like an athlete, training it to do what it should. Otherwise, I fear that after preaching to others, I myself might be disqualified. So part of discipline is for us to use our tools consistently. Step one is to know your tools. So that's the fruit of the spirit, the armor of God. It's being in the word. It's being connected with him in prayer. Um, Step two is remember that you have the tools. Step three, use the tools. Uh, Step four, repeat steps two and three. You're gonna, as you are consistent about it, you are going to be able to recognize what tool you need to use depending on what the situation is. You're gonna have consistency of using the right tools. You'll see a shift in how you even interact with when change or things that we don't really like are happening. Because our focus isn't on our own self and our viewpoint and how I feel about it. It's about what does God want me to do in this situation? How does God feel about it? What's his viewpoint? What is his goal? Because we got some news today that some of us weren't expecting. Some of us may be sitting here like, man, this is really scary for me because I've not had a good experience when there have been changes in church staff. And I want to acknowledge that this morning. I picture a young child who is, likes the idea of being in the water, but is absolutely freaked out. So any parents in here who've introduced their young child to water and the fingernails like dug in because of fear that you are going to let go of them, even though you're holding them, you know you're not letting go, but in their mind, they're letting me go. I feel water between me and their body. Uh, No, I do not agree to that. And they pull their legs up. Okay, so any parent in here who's done that, they know what I'm talking about. All right, you are on the top step of the pool. (laughs) Okay, like you just we did one step down. This is the pool deck. Once we're right here, this is we're not. We we aren't even off the steps, and they are clinging to you. This is what Jesus is saying. We're on the top step. Okay? Your feet are the only thing that are going to get wet. That's it. Okay? For right now, that's it. Just your feet. I got you. And I'm not letting go. So you can loosen your grip. You don't have to have your nails dug in. I want you to practice your patience. I want you to practice your trust in me. I want you to practice using your sword of the spirit. Some of us have um, changes or transitions that are happening personally in our lives. And he says the same thing to you that I got you. We're only on the top step. You don't need to be afraid of change. You don't need to be resistant to it. He says, acknowledge that that's how you feel. I already know how you feel, so you don't need to try to pretend that isn't what you're feeling, because I already know. Because sometimes we try to pull that. Like, I'm good, God. And he's like, really? (laughs) I made you. No, you're not. For all of us, he says, while change may be challenging, I am good. Our willingness to say, I'm dead, gives God the space to prepare us for resurrection. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for the grace that you give us. Thank you for your willing to walk with us when we are clinging so tightly because we are so afraid of what change may mean because we know our current season. We understand this. We thank you that you walk with us as we slowly start to loosen our grip, And remember that you can be trusted. Father, this week, bring to mind those times that we have seen you come through. Those times that we have seen your faithfulness. Those times that you've walked us through transition and we made it. And when we got to the other side, we were like, oh, wow. I never could have seen this. Help us to remember, Father, that your viewpoint always bends towards eternity. That it's always about your kingdom. Help us to remember that our light and momentary troubles are just that. They are light and momentary troubles in light of eternity. Help us to remember Father, that you are always with us, that Jesus is always with us, that the Holy Spirit is always with us, and that he's willing to help us use the right tools in times of transition and change, when we're willing to participate Father, if we're struggling with being willing to participate, help us right there. Father, if we're willing to participate but aren't sure about what tools to use, help us right there. Father, if we're unsure of all the things, help us right there. Meet us where we're at, Father. You have a plan for each of us. You have a purpose for each of us. You have a purpose for this family right here we call unison. We thank you for what you're doing, even though we can't see it. We ask that you help us to faithfully walk with you in such a way that the neighborhood in 49507 says what's different about the people that go to unison how is it that they walk through change in a way that is as if it's not a big deal help us to shine our light brightly and make a difference here in this place where you've planted us for your kingdom